Several times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts a teaching with the phrase, you have heard it said. He then goes on to state something that all good religious folk knew to be true. Or was it? Without hesitation, Jesus redirects the entire teaching with these words, but I say to you. He then goes on to teach them something different, which completely changes their understanding of what they previously thought to be true. Surprisingly, but unquestionably, we live in similar circumstances today. Much common knowledge we all take for granted begins with the phrase, everybody knows. Quite literally, we have heard it said for so long, we do not recognize thoughts or ideas that contradict the wisdom of God and lead us away from authentic life in Jesus Christ. Sadly, this same worldly wisdom has also infected a great deal of church teaching as well. In this podcast, the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau explores a different piece of conventional wisdom, examines what is true from a Christian point of view, and exposes how widely held common knowledge can lead us away from God. Welcome to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Welcome. This is Elizabeth Moreau, and you're listening to the You Have Heard It Said podcast. Now then, the last time that um, I did a podcast, I talked about the the comment that um, that people say, you have heard it said that religions are the source of all wars. And I addressed that. And I, done, I, I think I probably could have done a better job of that. I, I confess it. It was probably not the strongest argument I've ever made. But anyway, I commend to you uh, David Bentley Hart's Atheist Delusions. His first chapter is The Gospel of Unbelief. Now, the book was written in 2009, but it's an outstanding book, David Bentley Hart, and the name of the book is Atheist Delusions, and uh, particularly chapter one, The Gospel of Unbelief. And he talks about the issue of uh, wars and religion and how they're related to one another. Today, uh, our topic is, is another heavy-duty issue. It's, it's perhaps even more so. Today, we're going to talk about the issue of truth. And that's especially important these days. There's a great deal of, conf- of confusion about it. And um, after working on it myself as a topic, I will tell you that I have been um, thinking it may be a two-part. We'll see how far I can get, but given the amount of time that I have, um, it may be a two-part podcast, and this is part one. We shall see. But before wading on into deep waters, uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ our Lord. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I want to start off today by recalling a scene that we're all familiar with from Scripture. Uh, it's where Jesus, and this is kind of appropriate for Lent um, as we go through this, Jesus is being treated as a criminal. It's John 18. They're holding an illegal trial in the middle of the night, and um, uh Jesus has been to see Annas, he's been to see Caiaphas, and now they are taking him to Pontius Pilate to, to rule because they want Jesus put to death. And um, I, I always find this, and this, this is an side note, doesn't have anything to do with anything, but um, I always find it so incredibly hypocritical that the religious leaders would not go into the praetorium with Jesus because they wanted to... They wanted to be clean for the Passover so they could celebrate the Passover. They didn't want to be unclean while they sent Jesus 
uh, to his to be interviewed by Pontius Pilate, and they were trying to put him to death in the middle of the night in an illegal trial. Imagine that. But it's, I think that's kind of a warning for us, that it's easy to be hypocritical, it's easy to be religious, and fail to be Christian sometimes. Uh, but anyway, if they could do it, so could we. All right? Uh, well, the point is that, that but, but Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate is trying to uh, figure out what Jesus' crime is. And he says, so are you a king? Because that would be the only kind of crime they could, they could that Pilate could prosecute, really, uh, or put him to death for. He said, are you a king? And Jesus said, I am a king. And then Jesus said to him, for this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Again, that's John in eight, That's in John 18. And Paul then asked this question. I mean, not Paul, excuse me. Pontius Pilate asked this question. Um, and it's the question of the day. What is truth? Now, let's be realistic. What is truth? Pilate's not serious. He's pushing that whole issue aside. Pilate is totally cynical about that question. What is truth? Whatever. Let's just not have an uprising. Let's just try to get through this Passover without any kind of, you know, major thing to report back to Rome. Let's just try to make it through this. Now, I made the point last week, and I want to make it again. It's relevant here as well. In the absence of any external truth, in the absence of the existence of God or the absence of truth to which we must conform, then decisions about right and wrong and decisions about good and evil are going to default to decisions of power that are unrelated to truth at all. That whoever has the power can decide what is true, and that's how we're going to live, according to those. And, and that's why power gets to be such a big issue in nations and among politic, in politics and, and in wars and so forth. You know, um, when I went to seminary, I was looking for answers. I, I really kind of wanted the answers. I wasn't all that sold on being a pastor, that's for sure. But I wanted to know what is true. What is true? I had had a standard education going through college, and then I went through, you know, prior to that, I went through all the standard public education, whatever. And so I was generally kind of left-leaning the way that we've been educated over for the last, you know, 50 or 60 years. I thought, you know, uh, that um, uh, kind of leaned toward, you know, kind of progressive thought or whatever. It's nothing concrete, just generally speaking. I thought we were an advanced society, far superior to everybody before us, that science was real and religion was dubious, blah, 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 blah. And certainly, when I got there, um, I got to seminary, and everybody, and, and all the, uh, what I discovered was, and I was looking, please somebody tell me what is true, what is accurate, right? And um, there was no agreement among the professors at all. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. They're, they had very different understandings of Christianity. There was even one woman there who believed in polytheism as a matter of morality. She thought it was immoral for there to be one God only, or to claim that there was only one God, and therefore she uh, was a polytheist. She, bought, she thought there was multiple gods. didn't have anything to do with what was fact, what is true or not. It's what was morally right in her mind. I thought she was really bizarre. Okay? As a... As, so I'm, I'm going through I'm going through seminary and I'm trying to figure out what is true, right, and what is false. How, did, how, how am I going to discern the truth? And and I, I'm I wasn't asking a philosophical question. What is true? I was asking a practical question. How are we going to live? How am I going to live my life? How do I order my life, right? And so my, I came up with this per, personal definition as I'm listening to all of these different professors tell us whatever it is they think they believe or whatever they think is correct. Or and let me tell you, they're arguing about ultimate, ultimate things, and they feel strongly about it. So there is a right, there is a wrong, and they are uh, for it one way or the other, or they are against it, and they fought with one another. They didn't all get along all the time. 
So anyway, I'm listening to all this, and um, and and I'm like, well, how am I going to decide what is true and what is false? So my personal definition. It's not a philosophical theory. It's not scholarly by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't know enough at the time um, to, to, to even frame it in that manner. What is scholarly and what is whatever, right? Instead, I thought about, I asked myself the question, um, or I decided that my definition of truth would be this, that, that truth is the accurate depiction of reality, Right, the accurate depiction of reality. That was my simplistic definition of truth, and I got to tell you, I still hold to that because for all the studying I've ever done, whatever philosophy I've ever read, all the different theology I've ever read, that's as good an answer as anything. It's an accurate depiction of reality. What is real? What is what is reality? What is real? All right. Um, so that's how I, that's how I decided it. And look, for example, let's just think about that. What is what is reality? Uh, uh, the reality is that, for example, the Earth turns right. The sun doesn't really rise in the east and set in the west. The truth of the matter is the, the earth turns, right? The reality is that my parents love me. I know that. Whether, uh, no matter what, my parents love me. And given how I've given them a few what's over the years for them not to love me over, but they can, they're can they consistent in their love for me. I will say that. And the reality is that some people are nice and some people are horrible and all people are selfish some of the time. I've figured that out too, and and some of us are more selfish than others, and some of us are lean toward. Uh, I've learned that nice people can do horrible things, and horrible people can do nice things. It's a conundrum. What can I say? Reality: the reality is that all people die. Some too soon, some not soon enough. Frankly, all right, but all die. You, you know, I could go on and on, but you get my point. There's all sorts of things that are real. They're a reality, right? And here's, 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 here's the thing that I think is true, that we've lost all, all sense of. It is infinitely easier, it is infinitely easier to conform life, our life, to reality, no matter how difficult or how painful it is in the moment, right, than to invest the whole of our lives trying to conform reality to our wishes. Right? That is a piece of, of um, it's highly contentious right now, but that is a piece of, of truth that I live by. Uh, because I have tried to, to argue against reality. I have tried to live outside the bounds of reality uh, in my time. But it's infinitely easier to conform our lives to reality, no matter how difficult or how painful it is in that moment, right, than it is to invest the whole of life in trying to conform reality to fit us. Right? Our, own desire, our own wishes, our own plans, our own desires, whatever we want to be true. In other words, truth simply is. We may not like it, we may not like it, but we can't change it. You know, science can accumulate great knowledge and it can pose vast theories about uh, intelligent theories and well thought out uh, um, uh, theories about the origins of the universe, right? And they can dis discuss this or that or this possibility or that possibility or whatever, whatever, about how we came into being. But the fact is, only one thing is true, only one thing actually happened. See, and we forget that, actually. We do. We forget that, and we're like, okay, well, it could have been this, and now we're going to live accordingly. But, and then we stop looking around to go, is that true? Is that accurate? This is very important, y'all, because as Christians, we need to know what the truth is, and we need to live by the truth. Only one thing really happened. That's a standard um, philosophical tool for in, entry-level philosophy class. If you were taking that, and I took it, I didn't take it at seminary. I took it at a community college to get it out of the way because I had to have a, a class. So when I did... Um, 
one of the standard questions they, the illustrations they give you is that if you are, um, if there's a car wreck in the middle of an intersection and there are people on different corners and they start interviewing everybody, you'll have four different accounts of what happened in the car wreck. And, you know, and I thought, well, that's true. And their point is that, that there is no, there's no truth, right? You'd have all these different accounts of what is true. And therefore, you know, that may be true. In fact, it is. If you have a car wreck in the middle of the intersection and you have people looking from four different directions, you're going to have four different accounts of what's true. But the reality is only one thing happened. Everybody may not see it. They may see it differently from different perspectives, but only one thing happened. And, and we forget that. You know, we, we act like we act like um, uh, we can since we don't know for sure the whole story, we'll just make up whatever story we want to have or whatever we want to be true because that's how we prefer it. Oh God, we live in a society now where we think that our feelings are true. And I got to tell you, that is a scary proposition for us to walk around and think that what I feel is reality. A, a, um, an emotion is not a thought. Those are two very different things. An emotion is... Um, and emotion can be uh, completely contrary to reality. I don't even know how to say that any clearer. It can be completely contrary to reality. And if you don't know that, and if you think you're thinking, then that's the greatest problem with our young people today. They believe they're thinking when really what they're doing is feeling, and they don't have any earthly idea. Your feelings can't determine reality. Your feelings just respond to it. But anyway, I digress. That is just a real hot button of mine. Uh, I have a lot of hot buttons, actually. Anyway, recently, I was flipping through junk mail and trying to make sure I didn't have anything hidden in there, you know, that, that I needed to see or whatever before I deleted it. So as I'm going through deleting junk mail, there's this headline that blares out, Facts Matter. And even as I was deleting the email, I was sitting there thinking, no, not really, not this day and age. Facts don't matter much anymore. And um, that's not true. Facts do matter. Christians need to live in the truth. And I'm going to take that up again after our quick break. All right. Elizabeth will be back in just a moment. If you have questions or comments about this or a previous podcast, please send her an email. Her email address is elizabeth at servantsfeast.org. We're back now to You Have Heard It Said with the Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. All righty then, welcome back. I want to pick up where we left off, um, where I was talking about that facts don't matter in our society today. Facts do matter, as a matter of fact, but facts don't matter in today's discourse. If you go around, people make up facts all the time and say things regularly um, that that really actually don't reflect reality. And I think it's very disconcerting to not be able to know where to look for the truth, right? Um, and I think it says something about our society that we have to say facts do matter, right? I saw that um, email, the line in the email that I was throwing away. Uh, facts matter. And I thought, no, they don't. I want to share a story. It's a true story. I uh, was talking to a friend of mine, a man I've known for about 30 years. And um, uh, I will be honest, I started this. I should never have started the conversation, but I did because I thought that we could like have a conversation. We could actually discuss this issue. And um, we were discussing um, racial issues. And I don't want to go off on race today. That's not the point of what I'm talking about. But this is a symptom. The racial issues in general are a symptom of the problem. But um, this is a perfect example of what I mean. I was, we were discussing all the different racial issues and how um, all the stuff was unfair and how 
the police had, you know, all, all the police were out to kill black people. And um, I um, told him, I said, look, I, I looked up the, the uh, record. I looked up the, the report that on, from, on Michael Brown. I said, I read Eric Holder's um, investigation into the death of Michael Brown, you know, by the police officer. It was the third investigation, the third autopsy. And I said, you know, um, in it, he says that the officer was, de- was, was defending himself and that he was not culpable for the death. He was not, he was not, um, uh, he could not be charged. It, he was innocent and, and it was, it was a death in self-defense. That there was no hands up, don't shoot, blah, blah, blah. Right. And now most of us, most of us are aware of that. But I mean, this is a huge thing in our society that all our sports guys are all walking around, hands up, don't shoot. And, um, I wonder how long they're going to be paid multi-million dollar contracts when nobody wants to be, to watch them play because they hate America. But anyway, um, he um, when I said this to him, I said I said I looked it up and I read the whole thing because I, I want to know what's the truth, what's what's true here. And he says he he just shakes his head and he's like, no, that's not true. I'm like, hello. I read the. You have to know that Eric Holder wanted to find the policeman guilty. In, in that murder, and in that death, in the, and it wasn't a murder. Instead, no, he, he couldn't find the policeman guilty. I mean, he reinvestigated for the third time, three autopsies, three investigations. Eric Holder, my point is that facts don't matter. My, my friend feels that America is racist, and therefore, it doesn't matter what fact we, we give him, or I, I say to him, it doesn't matter what, he wouldn't believe the facts out of Eric, Eric Holder's Department of Justice. This is appalling that we live like this. And, you know, he said, I don't want to talk about racial issues right here, but I, want, I do want to talk about the, about the facts. If we cannot discuss facts, if we cannot begin with the same set of facts, then there's no way to reach the truth. There's no common ground for truth. There's no pathway to move forward. And here's what we have to understand in our society. The highest, or not in our society, here's what you, Christian, need to understand. The highest aspiration in human history has always been the search for truth. The highest aspiration. And the reason that the truth matters is because human beings are sentient beings with a conscience and an awareness. And we look at ourselves and we want to know what is true. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And that's what truth does. It provides the structure on which, for, in which we are to live. It gives us meaning and purpose in our lives. It reveals what we, it tells us who we are and what we're supposed to do. And to say that everybody makes that up, it's simply that that's just that's just what I say lazy scholarship. It's a brag, brag it's a brag, braggadocia claim. I guess is the word I'm looking for here. It's a inflated. Uh, it's, it's the claim of inflated philosophy that we get to make up truth however we want to have it, we, whatever we want it to be. We'll just make it up and we'll give our own meaning and our own purpose to our lives. You know, we've built an entire culture on being Pontius Pilate. On, on the cynicism on the, uh, the, of what is truth. What is truth? Whatever we want it to be. What is the truth? We mock truth now. We um, call ourselves brave when we mock truth. And then we, um, we, we think we're very smart about that. We're all woke now. And we have all these new understandings. And we're so much superior, so much more superior. You know what's wrong in the racial issue in, in, in our society? And this is just a quick summary. You know what's wrong with all the racial issue in our society? Sin. That's what's wrong. There's sin. There's sin all the way around. Everybody. It turns out everybody's sinful. All right. That again. I don't want to go there. But let me tell you, we live in this this society that's so woke, right? And um, we call ourselves so smart, and we're going to cancel everybody we don't like because we all get to determine what is real and what is true and what is right. Well, let me tell you, the lowliest 
and least educated shaman and witch doctor throughout history have searched for the beyond, and they have understood that there is a beyond out there. In the pre-Christian era, you had men with phenomenal minds searching for the meaning of truth and life. What is true? What is life? What is our purpose? You have people like Socrates or Plato or Aristotle, phenomenal giants of intellects, and um, of an, they're utterly amazing. And I got to you when I went to seminary, um, I remember I told you that I was looking for what is true, and I wanted to know what, what the nature of reality is. I need to understand how to order my life. And so I said, uh, I can remember reading, and as I am reading all these, all these, uh, uh, they didn't agree with one another. I was reading these different theologians and things like that, and I can remember thinking, you know, there is nothing here worth dying for. There's nothing here that would make sense even on a different continent today. If you took that someplace else, it only applies to Western, overfed, well, uh, uh, secure Americans. This is this is ridiculous. And I can remember thinking that. And then I was going along reading all this stuff and all of it. They're trying to be. They're trying to be so smart and they're trying to be so intellectual and so you know uh, academically acceptable and things like that. And I can remember reading Thomas Aquinas and going, "Oh my gosh." Here is a smart man. Now, in the end, it turned out that I'm not a huge fan of Thomas Aquinas, but the fact of the matter is Thomas Aquinas knew how to think. And then the other thing that really got to me is in Christian history, they would, in the study of Christian history, we were told repeatedly that it was patriarchal, that uh, they didn't they didn't know anything, that we're an advanced society, that they didn't live, that the, the people of the past lived in, you know, um, in, pre, in primitive times and there were primitive people. Let me tell you, those early church fathers may not have known all about germs, but they sure knew about truth. And I'd have to go, if I were going to pick people I was smart for, you know, for smart people to follow, I'd want to go behind some of those people who lived in the second century or the first century or the third or fourth century. Some of those people were absolute geniuses in the Christian faith. Study, their study of philosophy and their study of, of you know, classical Greek philosophy, their study of the gospel, the study, I mean, they lived Christian life. They knew God. Well, congratulations, we know germs and we think we're smarter than you. How weird is that, right? The ancients thought more deeply and they prayed more deeply than, than we do. I, I, it boggles my mind, right? The cynicism and the mockery that you find in our society today shows a complete ignorance of the truth. And y'all, that is very destructive. Once you, do, once you get rid of truth, there are no constraints on human life at all. There is nothing to say what is valuable and what is not. The, probably the greatest hubris in our society today is we think we can maintain um, the Christian values of, say, the value of a human being or the value of um, you know, uh, being kindness, the value of taking care of our neighbor, um, all those different things. The idea that we can hold on to those because we are um, advanced, that's not true. Not true at all. Uh, those, those are values that belong to Christianity, and they are unique to Christianity. They certainly arose with Christianity in the past. All you have to do is look at cultures around us. How much do they value human beings around us? Right? We were talking about Chernobyl the other night. Um, um, with, I was with my sister, and we were discussing it. And we're talking about energy because Texas just went without energy and lost all that all the electricity. And so we were discussing nuclear power. We got off on Chernobyl. And you know the Russian government kept sending people in, uh, helicopters in, to drop uh, concrete on top of it. 
Uh, and you just dump the, try to dump the the cement and build concrete, concrete or whatever, so that they could they thought they could pretend it didn't happen. And all, they just kept sacrificing people to death. The, everybody in the helicopter died, and they just kept sending in more. Because why? People are, are a renewable resource. Apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, human beings don't matter at all, which is a, worth us realizing at this point in life in our society. It would be a good thing for us to realize that human life doesn't have any importance whatsoever apart from Christ. If you're not made in the image of God and if you are not valuable and loved by God, then you're not important and you don't count. And human beings are a renewable resource. I've said that before and I'm sure I'll say it again because I'm not very creative that way. But if you're not bound by facts, then there are no constraints on human life at all. And the human creature will self-destruct. And we see that throughout our society, the ways that we self-destruct, the things that we choose for ourselves. All you have to do is look at all the, um, all the say, uh, addictions that we have in our society that are very destructive for us. If you're free to alter history and, and you make up the facts as you go along, that you end up in, in a never-never land. It's a lot like Peter Pan, and I think we have a kind of a Peter Pan society. We're all going to be young forever. The problem is that facts cannot be altered, and facts are the building blocks of truth. Martin Heidegger said, uh, we are everywhere confronted by the brute facticity of reality. Now, I would not have guessed that I actually agreed with him or that I was using his definition, but we are everywhere confronted by the brute facticity of reality. And I defined reality as the accurate depiction of truth. That's pretty close to, 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 to a smart man. That was kind of, that's kind of cool, you know? You can live in a make-believe world if you want to, and you can make up a make-believe world, to, uh, the history to go with it. But make-believe worlds crumble. When you're a child, you did make-believe. Let's play like. You want to play like this or play like that? You know, I can imagine future generations looking back, future historians looking back at our generation going, wow, what a... What a lost group of people, or what a crazy group of people. How could they have believed all the stuff that they believed? How could they have lived like that? We think we're so smart, and we're really not. And what I want, I think Christians need to understand that we do not need to compromise the gospel more than ever. We need to embrace the gospel fully, and we need to hold tightly to the gospel. We have a lot of church leaders that are running around after the culture. They're trying really hard to be relevant in the culture. They say, hey, I'm woke. I understand. I am with you. I'm, you know, whatever. Jesus does not need us to make excuses for the faith. He does not need us to make excuses for him or for the gospel. And he does not want us to compromise. He did not compromise with the world at all and say, well, you know, that's a little sin. Or if you want to believe like that, it's not that big a deal. Go ahead. Right? He didn't do that. He came to save us. You know how he saves us? is by laying down his life. And he, saves, he has to lay down his life because the world cannot bear what? Perfect truth and perfect love. The truth sets us free, right? But untruth enslaves us. It enslaves us to the point that we are prepared to try to deny God. And you can even see that in some church leaders, but you can certainly see it in our society. Well, you know... Um, Truth drives me crazy. I don't want there to be a truth. Therefore, you're not going to talk about God in, in schools. We're going to make that illegal, right? And we're going to make it illegal for you to um, proselytize, or we're going to make it uncomfortable anyway. We're going to make it, um, you, should, you don't need to be talking about your God in public or your faith in public. We're going to mock that and say that because lies enslave us, and we don't want to know the truth. So they kill God. And whenever our church leaders do the same thing, 
That's what they're doing uh, when they deny when they deny the truth. The Apostle Paul, and this so describes our society, in 1 Corinthians 13, he contrasts truth with unrighteousness. He says, love does, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. That needs to be us. We need to rejoice with the truth. In the next podcast, I'm going to talk about what it means for, what truth means for humanity, for being, what it means to be human, right? Reality does not change. It is only one thing. And the struggle to change reality will destroy us. And Christian, your God is not the God of destruction. He is not the God of, of death. Your God is the God of life. And in him is all truth. He's the author of all truth. All truth flows from him. You know, people have been searching for this forever. It is revealed in Jesus Christ when he said, I am the truth. We also need to rejoice in the truth. We need to be delighted by the truth. Okay? Because the truth never changes and we can trust it. I find it so exhausting to, to read the news online or whatever, or to listen to podcasts or to listen to um, uh, uh you know, YouTube, whatever accounts, whatever's going on, videos of of what the news reports are, whatever, and somebody's telling, explaining, and and you think, well, are you telling the truth, or is that person telling the truth? The inability to discern in facts. You know, it's very hard to live in a world that's kind of that is so. There's no way to find out what's true. You don't know how to live. You don't know what choices to make. You don't know. You don't know whether how how serious things are. You don't know which direction to go. It's very hard. But the Christian never has to worry about that. We always have a place to go. We always know which direction we're to take. And that is the direction behind Jesus Christ. Because he is the truth. Because he is the way. And because that's the only place to find life. Really, to find abundant life. We forget that. When we look at the world, we can be too scared. We can be too. We can be too intimidated. It, it's it's kind of it kind of like um, what do I say? It's paralyzing to live in a world where um, every day you wake up and there's a whole new set of truths and a whole new set of facts and there's a whole new set of priorities. You can get you can be canceled. There's a new reason to cancel you now. You don't count. And the kingdom of God, darling, you always count. You always matter to God, and he can, will always call you forward to him. You don't have to worry about whether or not you've been canceled or whether or not. When you awake, you need to awaken to the kingdom, right? And on that happy note, I believe I'm going to close with prayer here. But next week when we get back, we'll talk about, or next time, I guess, when we come back, we will talk about, uh, what, what the, about the truth and what that means for being human. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to create your people, to call your people, to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in the days ahead, I want you to think about tr truth. What is true? What is the truth? Y'all be blessed, you hear? You have just heard the latest You Have Heard It Said podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, 
Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. And while you're at it, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Fees Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as Elizabeth explores and exposes yet another piece of conventional wisdom with the truth of Christ.